Today on Doomed, Kelly Weil of the Daily Beast joins us today to discuss, listen, we are actually discussing two fantastic stories, um, both, again, uh, this seems to be a theme in recent episodes, uh, the show is called Doomed, yet the guests I've been having on have been giving me so much hope. Uh, we have a story about how Gab, the alt-right uh, social network, has been pretty much uh, eating themselves, eating their own. And then we have a story about how Project Veritas, that's right, James O'Keefe, is going to end up uh, helping out the J20 uh protesters or some of them aren't even protesters if i'm correct that's some, right yeah some of them were just pulled into this because you know overreach by huge overreach by the prosecution um but we'll get to that story very shortly i would like to first welcome kelly to the show thanks for having me oh thanks for doing this i really appreciate it uh the on short notice too your uh, story on gab just came up i think it was like yesterday morning and I read it, and then I had seen the J20 story, and I was like, I have to have her on to talk about both of these, because they're great. Thanks. So let's, let's start with Gab. Um, for people who are listening to this show uh, regularly, you've probably are, you are, probably are familiar with it, because I have spoken about it. Not too much, though, just you know, in passing in conversation, whether we're talking about you know, Nazis, white supremacists, or, you know, uh, the intellectual dark web and those freedom, free-thinking lovers over there. Um, but we haven't really spoken about it in full. So, uh, Kelly, why don't you just pretty much give us a quick rundown exactly about uh, what Gab is? What is this website? So, Gab is not explicitly alt-right. <clears throat> they say they're for everyone. But it was founded in response to a news story about um, Facebook allegedly messing with its um, its news vertical, and there was like rumors that they were keeping out conservative news. Some of that like has been debunked since, but regardless, Gab's founder, a uh, conservative guy in Silicon Valley, um, or was part of a Silicon Valley accelerator, he started social media. And he said, you know, just. Everything goes free speech, provided you don't, like, break the law and say, you know, I'm going to murder you in your home on Thursday evening or something. So Gab became kind of a uh, haven for people who had either been kicked off Twitter for, like, posting someone's address and, like, a picture of, like, a dead pig or something. Um, or also people who just, like, perceive themselves as being persecuted. Um, so people who said, you know, oh, Facebook is too too liberal for me. And that is kind of the group of people who go to Gab. And, you know, if it's, I believe it started in August. And I always thought it was weird. Like, August of 2016, let me be clear. And uh, I always thought it was a little bit weird and odd that um, this website just happened to spring about shortly after... Uh, or around the time where uh, Milo Yiannopoulos was banned from Twitter. It was, I, I remember they used almost that as like a, a jump off point to sort of like promote the network. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, Milo is like a great um, is like a great case study for them. He's sort of like the model user, although I'm not sure he's on Gab. But one thing Gab does is when someone, um, especially someone conservative, gets booted from Twitter or something or someone complains about Twitter, you know, they'll like slide into the replies and be like, come to Gab. It's free speech. Um, And hey, listen, in Gab's defense, yeah, you can get away with saying a lot more on Gab than you can on Twitter, although Twitter has its Nazi problems. Um, that said, what a lot of people like doing on Gab is just going on there and like talking about genocide. So it's, um, sure, you can say it. Should you? Uh, <laughs> that's, that, is the, uh, that is the central question, I think, to Gab. So did, did the, the founder of Gab, like, how did he fall into, like, I don't want to say fall into that because it makes him sound like he's some innocent party to this. But how did he what what drew him to starting like this? Why Gab? Like what was his his background in Silicon Valley that made him, you know, get to this point of starting this site? So the founder is named Andrew Torba, and his story is actually interesting. When I say Silicon Valley, I'm not sure he's from California. I think he was originally from Texas. But the, the tech scene in general. As yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. that's usually what, what people mean. Yeah, I thought that's what you meant, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I usually say that as just like an umbrella thing. I'm right. Like, tech people who can computer. Um, but yeah, so he was um, he was part of the alumni network for Y Combinator, which is a tech accelerator. He got kicked out, I think, shortly after Trump's election um, because people started alleging harassment against him, not sexual harassment, but just really unnecessary Facebook comments. So one of his uh, maybe like co-alumni posted on Facebook something kind of like, you know, moving about, you know, I'm Mexican-American and Trump's election really makes me feel scared for our future and for myself personally. And Andrew replied, or maybe it was on Twitter, he goes, build the wall. (laughs) And like, okay, yeah, like, sure, free speech. Legally, you can say that. Like, dude, why? Like, Okay, so there were a lot of instances like that, um, and BuzzFeed actually has compiled them in one pretty good place. And eventually, Y Combinator's like, "Dude, you just you have to stop. Like, you have to get out." Um, so they severed ties. They tried to take his free speech away, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean that's like that's the the making of the myth, right? Um, so yeah, that kind of is part of the origin story, right? Um, so he has he has this background saying, you know, oh, I've been censored. Well, I mean, you've been an asshole. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he has this free speech platform um, and it's been running since, I think, August, September of uh, 20, 2017. Yes. Yeah. I, I, for- so, I forget that, you know, the Constitution says that we all get to be part of a tech incubator and say whatever we want. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Yeah, I love it because, like, so much of uh, conservative thought is the respect for, you know, private property and, you know, my land, my property, I can do what I want. And then when, like, a uh, Silicon Valley company, which they are notoriously libertarian and they love their private property, they say, hey, uh, we don't like this, so get out. Then it's, uh, then it's, my first amendment, you know. Right. So isn't this really the the crux of this whole issue with with these free speech uh, types uh, where they just don't understand what free speech is? I mean, this is a site literally built on something that uh, its founder just doesn't understand. (laughs) I mean, the thing about 
I just think that's such a misnomer, the whole free speech debate, because first of all, we I mean, we have laws like you can't I can't make threats about you. And um, but I I think about this a lot in the terms of like actual real life neo-Nazi rallies. People say, well, they got a permit. They're allowed to show up to the rally. They're not doing anything wrong. Well, okay, maybe when they're just standing there holding their tiki torches and chanting, they're not directly hurting someone. Historically, yes, they are hurting someone. Right. But it's not just that they're, um, they're not just there to chant and go home. You have to look at the broader context. They're making people feel scared in their own neighborhoods. They're making people feel unwelcome. They're pushing this envelope. And usually, like, in the parking lot, someone gets beat up. Or, you know, I mean, Charlottesville is a perfect example of someone drove a car into a crowd right. of protesters. So, I mean bubble you know with no consequences or ramifications is ridiculous right no it's absolutely that's a great point because it's absolutely true it's like you know they they see you know they they see a war against um their 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 speech pretty much uh and they see some sort of curtailing of their rights but but it's just not true. They they they're usually free to say these things, and they usually end up like like Twitter and Facebook and all these social networks have been very good to them actually in terms of letting them have free reign, and they just always take it that step too far, and they get angry that they're not getting uh, even more. Uh, uh, rights than anyone else to say and do these things. Like if if I would just go online and threaten someone without any sort of you know political just just a, a a personal beef. I'm angry at my neighbor, so I go online and threaten him. I probably will uh, get in more trouble than these guys do for going online and under their little political banner of. Uh, uh, White, white. When they, when they, I love when they talk about white genocide. It's hilarious to me. But yeah, by just bringing that up, they suddenly can uh, say they want to wipe out an entire group of people, or at least banish them from being around them, and, and they get free reign to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think what's really funny is like if you really want to test their commitment to free speech, just like, just like. One thing that I like doing is when men reply to me on Twitter, I just take their avatar and I tweet it back at them and they get so mad. I'm like, buddy, I haven't done anything to you. Like, you know, I mean, you can't handle gentle ribbing. So it's, um, yeah, it's purely self-serving. In fact, um, Richard Spencer, uh, alt-writer renowned, the other week was on a podcast and someone, you know, another uh, like-minded fellow asked him point blank. He's like, well, we don't actually believe in like free speech, free speech. And Richard Spence was like, no, of course not. We mean, you know, free speech for us. And that's the end goal. I mean, it's it's a bad faith argument, right? When they're saying we want free speech, sure, you know, we, that's something protected in the First Amendment. We should uphold that. But they're asking for permission to curtail the rights of others. That's the end goal. Right. And you know, but pe- I'm happy you brought that up because people like Richard Spencer and in a way also – uh, the, the founder of Gab, like they know what they're doing, at least when it comes to when they bring up free speech. Uh, the founder of Gab may not get what it is, but he knows that by using that, it's a marketing ploy for his website. Richard Spencer knows it's a way to market to a new group of people who maybe they, you know, a lot of people 
uh, who are just discovering this world, maybe they don't want to jump right into white supremacism. They want to maybe dip their toes and see how the water is. So free speech is the perfect way. My, my, your free speech is being under attack is, is the perfect way to do it for these guys. Um, so they know that they're able to use this stuff to market, you know, their, their, their ideology or in the, this case, just to market their business with Gab. And these people who believe them or listen to them, they're the actual ones I look at and I'm like, they, they really, they, like they, they drink in the Kool-Aid and they really truly believe and there's nothing to it. There's no money ploy, no grift. They truly believe their free speech is being curtailed in some way. Yeah, I mean, you can look at this in like a broader context of, you know, the past, I mean, there's, there's a good case to say all of American history, right, where people who are, you know, incredibly um, privileged still look at minorities as this uh, insurgent body that's going to come and take their rights. So, I mean, right now, it's an incredibly good time to be white in America, like, you know. Oh, not just now. Mass- oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Um, like they'll say like, you know, our, our rights are being taken away. Um, and you know, you can't say anything anymore when in fact it's kind of the opposite way around. If you ask me like what an actual, uh, scary thing for first amendment rights is or something like that. Like I look at like the wave of, um, so-called blue lives matter laws where, you know, if you're like seen to be hassling a cop, you can like just get in worlds of trouble. So, and this is one thing where like conservatives have pushed this narrative that um, like women and minorities and like the LGBT community are, are coming for, you know, you, the previously enfranchised and still enfranchised uh, Americans, and you have to do something now. And what's really interesting is in my perspective, I think the reaction has overtaken the, uh, has overtaken the actual gains that they're afraid of. So, you know, as right. it, it's still, we have just massive inequality and in the US and the only like, the only laws that have been really enacted since, you know, um, Black Lives Matter kicked off, a lot of them are these Blue Lives Matter laws. So, you know, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's just, I think it's really interesting that they have this victimization uh, complex where it's like, this other is coming to take my thing, be that my free speech or my wealth or, you know, my personal feeling of, uh, of my place in this hierarchy. And that's not true. Right. Right. And if, even if it was go for it, take it. (laughs) Right. And if I had planned this out better, this would actually be a perfect segue to talk about the J 20 story, because that is a perfect example of people's free speech rights being curtailed. My God. <laughs> but there's still so much more to talk about with Gab. So let's hold off for a second. Um, and let's, let's bring up this, this latest, uh, I guess, drama going on on Gab. Uh, to me, it is hilarious that they really are, they've created this, this, I guess you can say, an alt-right oasis for themselves, where any alt-writer, any Nazi, white supremacist, far right-wing reactionary of any, whatever they want to label themselves today, they can go to this site, gab.ai, and it's like a Twitter where they can say whatever they want just to the people that also believe what they believe. Uh, They can post all the racist memes they'd like and get no blowback. They can 
uh, threaten anyone they'd like. Pretty much, it seems like without maybe maybe they'll they'll be told not to do it because after all, Gab's a business and they have to worry about hosting and all the hosting companies and all that. But they certainly won't be suspended or banned over it for the most part, I believe. Right. I mean, so some bans have come down. And when I was talking to their uh, Gab's chief op- operating officer the other day, he's like, well, yeah, you know, if someone makes a threat, we'll ban them. I'm like, okay, cool. And like, I just went in, I like in the top box, I'm like, I typed like, kill all Jews, like, you know, and like, low, look at all the all those that are still up. I mean, um, it's, yes, technically against the rules. But I it, it's rampant you know it's right. everywhere and people are getting away with it i mean to be actually fair to gab when it comes to that i went on twitter last night just to oh, twitter's awful right right well I, I go on twitter all the time but specifically i went on twitter last night to see what was happening with that uh huffington post reporter luke o'brien oh, jesus who did that great article on uh amy uh that twitter user amy mech mm-hmm. who's this uh, really violent islamophobic woman uh uh, Pam Geller actually to the max this lady she <laughs> she's like uh, has over 200,000 followers Sean Hannity follows her I think Donald Trump Jr. follows her which actually right. is less surprising to me than Sean Hannity following her uh, but she she's said violent things she's put uh, posted people's uh, personal contacts before she's doxed people. So this Huffington Post reporter, Luke O'Brien, writes an article about her. He pretty much put all connected all the dots and found that she actually has many times used her real name and doxed herself. So he just put it all together in an article and basically uh, did a great report on this woman with two hundred thousand followers. So obviously she's uh, an important figure to the right, and she even runs, I believe, uh, uh, like a a startup like Islamophobic organization. So, I mean, she certainly isn't some like, you know, poor, like private figure who has no like, uh, you know, authority over people or anything. And she basically has been sending her, her, her 200,000 followers to harass him. And last night I came across a Twitter feed that was literally listing, uh, like his personal information, uh, the editor in chief Huffington Post. I, th- uh, I think her name's Lydia. Her, mm-hmm. her like personal contacts, like her cell phone, her her address, and everything. And that shit was up there for hours. I, it might even still be up there. I went to bed last night, and it was still there. Like they they have everything. You know, if if you if you uh, tweet to Donald Trump, uh, fuck you. They have a way to shadow ban you, so he can't see that, and other users can't see that. But uh, apparently they have nothing in place to uh, stop people from sending uh, threatening harassment, including people's personal contact information. Yeah, I mean, Twitter is Twitter's a wreck with that. Um, and, I, you know, I think what you're describing is a really good example of um, how this is just not a good faith argument. Like, Luke did not dox this woman. You know, her name is out there before. Right. She's obviously a pu- public figure. And now in retaliation for people, you know, saying, oh, you doxed her. We're going to do this to you. Well, they've doxed him. They doxed my friend who wrote about the controversy. Like, and now, of course, I'm going to post my address. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's almost like, it's very hard to take someone seriously when they're like, you know, this is an issue of privacy and this is an issue of, you know, of respecting norms and civility. Well, look what you're going to do. Um, so Twitter is not a lot better. What I will say about Twitter is like 
the median tweet is better than the median gab post, you know? So I go on Twitter and it's horrible and it's all my like, it's everyone I went to college with. I'm like, Oh my God, why am I on this website? But when I go in, it's like someone's complaining about their job rather than someone being like, Hmm, here's a, here's a, you know, fake story about Muslims. And like, yeah. So the, Gab, um, Gab would be like if Jack logged on to Twitter every day and proceeded to apologize to Candace Owens a hundred times every day. That's Gab. Right. Well, it's so interesting. It's like Jack is like he's on Twitter, but like I feel like it's a very like it's a pretty well vetted account. Like I still have issues with some stuff he does, but like you can tell there's a PR team there. What I genuinely do love about Gab is it's uh executive team and it's much smaller you know they're they're a small company they are just they are online and they are beefing with their users and i'm just like i so i was talking to the coo the other day and i just wanted to be like it's not my job to interfere but if you thought of logging off like i would (laughs) log like uh there's a saying if muhammad ali gets into a bar fight with someone you make the guy in the bar fight look good even if he gets punched in the face, like you're, you're not winning. There's no context in which right. you are going to win when you're online and just like, just brawling with your user base. Just don't do it. And that's my, I'm not trying to dispense business advice. I'm just, if I, if I were Gab, I look at that and I say, yeah, that's unusual. I've never seen that on a social network before, uh, purportedly free speech network or no. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's nice that they're so uh, interactive with their their users. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, they do this because that's where this this latest drama comes from. Mm-hmm. And I I do think this one might be the one uh, you mentioned in the piece that that Gab has been, and I feel like this has been with a lot of these uh, conservative outlets that felt like they that felt, but they actually did receive a huge bump during the 2016 election and the rise of Donald Trump, you know, once your guy becomes uh, an official member of the political establishment, uh, it's hard to be like some sort of far-right anti-establishment organization that rails against the government when that's your guy. So like they lose their, they lose their appeal to a lot of people. Their traffic goes down. We see this with Breitbart. Uh, but, But I think this drama going on with Gab at Gab right now is going to be the one that really nailed the coffin for them. They'll be around, but I don't think they'll ever be able to get back to where they once were. So let's break down what's going on at Gab. So, yeah, so I'll try. Um, and I, I think there's probably going to be more. Uh, I think this is indicative of some other issues that I haven't even guessed at yet. Right. Basically, in the past uh, couple weeks, Gab has been... They've had some technical issues. They said, oh, it's a DDoS attack. And then in the past week or so, um, the um, the founder and especially the COO, this guy I talked to, um, Utsav Sanduja, I think his name is, and they, um, they've been accusing all these accounts of being like psyops. That's the word. It's psyops. It's an infiltrator. They're trying to sabotage Gab from the inside. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, they, they're posing as Nazis to make us look bad. I'm like, budge, you've got Nazis. This is, this is like Nazi Twitter. They're like, they're trying to make us look bad. 
Um, and they that's the business that's what are you talking about (laughs) I'm just like listen there there's gonna be trolls on every site like there's obviously gonna be like some 14 year olds like you know I'm a Nazi and you know just messing around whatever but like you have real life Nazis like people who go out in the streets and they're like yes this is who I am and they're verified on gab so the um I asked about this I'm like why what's what is someone's goal in making a fake account they're like well they're trying to make us look bad in the media oh my okay well you're talking to me but um <laughs> they also um <laughs> they are they're trying to have a um, a cryptocurrency to kind of get their initial funding going i know they're looking for other funding um throughout silicon valley they're trying to uh get some sec filings through so they need to look my guess my guess here is they need to look a little bit more presentable and this is where the problem of, oh, we have Nazis comes in. So right now they are claiming that they are being overrun by fake Nazis who are on the payroll of, um, to use the words, SJW organizations, social justice warrior organizations. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that for a while it was this home to like an organic Nazi population. And now that my guess is when they kind of need to tidy up a little bit, suddenly, oh, there's fake Nazis here. And those, those are the problem. Right. It's interesting that you bring up the cryptocurrency angle because of course I should have guessed. (laughs) I should have guessed. We're talking about racists online, scam artists online, uh, tech grifters online. Uh, there, there's going to be uh, an ICO in the works, obviously. <laughs> I am actually livid. I have not like ICO'd anything. Like I just, you know, day one, I just should have been like, yeah, it's my, it's my ICO for like, you want pictures of my dog? Like get in initial coin offering and like, I'll give you pictures of my dog. Because like, I don't think they're as successful now because people have kind of, there's been an ICO fatigue and like, there's been so many, obvious scams that people are like getting wise but like people who did that early on they just like they just cut and run and, and now they're in like yeah they malaysia house. but yeah there's right. nothing anyone could do it's kind of funny i could live in malaysia i could have done that Absolutely. that's what i'm saying like, for all the that, money they got <laughs> yep yeah just like uh abandon all shame and just next next major tech grift and on that one right right i mean the, these i mean the, i guess the gab guys really did jump into the wrong first of all i want to give a, a warning to anyone in the tech industry who wants to somehow jump into like a political tech idea why they always fail i've never seen one there already is a pol- the the king of political tech companies and that's twitter it's it's not meant to be that way, but like wh- that's where it, that like that's not what they had in mind. But it just happened. Everyone in the media is there. Any sort of like celebrities won't have a Facebook page, but they'll run their own Twitter account. Like Twitter is where it just happened. And I I don't know why. Like I could see like you know there's always going to be specific forums or something like you know like uh uh a daily cos or something like that for someone of a specific. Uh, you know, ideology uh, to go and talk to other people in that group or whatever. But like for like a broad political convo, and I've seen so many tech companies try to do this after, you know, all this, all this drama happens on Twitter or, you know, and news stories hit about how 2016 ruined the internet because of political conversations. But like no one wants to go somewhere just to talk about politics. Like, no. right. 
Like, like, it just happens by accident, and then people can't stop. But no one planned to do it. <laughs> like, no one wanted yeah. it. I think, like, I, I kind of tie this back to, like, shortly after the election, someone said something like, it doesn't matter what beat you're on now. If you're a journalist, you're a politics reporter. And, like, it's may, – may, maybe you can make the case that, like, politics always should have had a tie to our Oh, I'm sorry. You broke up just a little bit. Just repeat. Sorry. No problem. Um, What I was saying is that um, now politics is like inescapable from every aspect of your life. And maybe, you know, it was before and you didn't notice, but now it's really present um, and it's really explicit. So to if you have a social network, it's going to be political. And when yeah, when you try and make the stated purpose, that it's a political thing. Well, you've, you've made it just a little bit too on the nose. And I think no one wants that. You know, I think half my Facebook, uh, posts I see right now, my feet are like, Oh, I'm so like tired of politics. I'm, I'm tired of reading about this. So I'm like, well, I'm reading about you reading about it. So, you know, it's this, it's this inescapable will regardless. So I, yeah, political tech is, it it seems almost redundant right now. Right. And like, who wants to like, you know, like I mentioned, like I use Delhi Coast as an example. I mean, that makes sense for sort of, uh, I mean, they used to be, I guess, more progressive. They've sort of become, uh, since 2016, more of like, you know, a, a generic democratic type, you know, base of users, not so much people on the left. But, you know, people of that ideology go and they like to discuss about news and politics with, because and, a lot of people, even giving the Delhi Coast people credit, they talk about policy. But when we talk about the Gab users, I mean, Gab was never going to be super successful because a lot of what these guys' uh, whole ideology is isn't based in policy or anything that actually affects people's lives. It's just riling people up and trolling people and getting people angry at them. And when you're on Gab, uh, I guess what? The, the most heated argument you'll have is whether you're a real Nazi or not, whether you're a white supremacist or a white nationalist. No, I'm a, I'm a white nationalist. No, I'm a, you're a white No, I mean... That's the, the, that, like, that's it. <laughs> like, who, like, where, how much further are you going to get than that? So, like, without their ability to, like, you know, send racist pictures to black people on Twitter, like, where do they get, like, where are they going to get their, their, their kick? Like, where do they, their fix? Like, it, there's nowhere. I mean, there's, like, there's certainly, you know, there's 4chan and there's like the right stuff forums. There's all the daily stormer pages. There's been, I think a pretty big shift into, um, kind of semi-private, uh, forums. So like on discord, now people are leaving discord because Discord's like, we want nothing to do with you. Um, what are telling their free speech? Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable discord. I wrote a story because, um, (laughs) discord works. Um, it brought in the Southern poverty law center, which is, you know, a civil rights group to kind of consult and say, Hey, what do we do with all these Nazis? And I wrote about it. And, um, yeah, they, the reaction from the right, which is ridiculous or like, uh, discord is reading our messages. And that's not what the article said, but whatever, um, they're reading our messages and they're, uh, they're trying to crack down on us. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, you, you want like your private, uh, you want your private forum for this. Well, this is like a private, privately run forum and you're not welcome. So I think they'll always find some place to congregate. Um, you know, you mentioned people getting into arguments on gap. I do want to say like, Every time I bring this up, 
people are like, there's regular folks on Gab. I'm like, okay, yeah, like, shout out to the Gab Gardening Group. Like, you exist. I see you. Well, it's a shame, Um, like, on 4chan. Like, when I was mentioning Gab before, too, I was talking about, like, you know, all those sort of alt-right online forums, right? But, like, even on 4chan, like, yeah, they have conversation on 4chan, but where do they get their content from? They exist to go out and just bother people, troll people, and then they go back to the 4chan uh, uh, poll forum, or they go on Gab, and they post a screenshot, and that's where their conversation comes from like that's that's the content to them they have no like political ideology to talk about because they don't care about policy or anything like that that's not well that's to be fair to someone like richard spencer he probably does care about policy he would love to see a policy enacted where black people all probably have to leave the united states of america but that's for the most part i think you know where 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 it comes from right and i mean a certain number of them do have i would say like you know stated missions and everything like that but what's really interesting to me is that so much of the of the debate just turns into kind of grievance culture. Um, and it's OK. So say I'm going to use the example of there's a group called the Traditionalist Workers Party. Um, and for a little bit and this is going to sound like I'm praising them. But for a little bit, I thought they were probably like the most coherent way forward for the right, because they had really I thought it, to certain people, kind of some effective sounding platform. That's uh, where, that's uh, Matthew Weinbach, whatever his name was. Uh, Heimbach. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, yeah. Matthew Heimbach, my right. my very favorite. Um, no, so. <laughs> Uh, we've they, we've actually mentioned his downfall on this show before. Please tell it again because it is go where you're going, but the story's so. And great. then I will I will yeah. come back. Because yeah. Maybe my favorite paragraph I've written in <laughs> five years. Um, anyway, so what the traditionalist worker party did um, was I think they very intuitively saw that there is there's a bit of like disillusionment, uh, disenfranchisement among young people. Uh, young blue collar people and saying, you know, it was almost this kind of populist message that was sort of, you know, you could almost see it be sort of curbed from the left, you know, it was, and it was just sort of like, we believe in like, you know, strong communities, of course, none of that for like black people. And then, you know, that was sort of a veneer for just flat out Nazi. Right. Um, those people do exist. And I'm so glad you brought up the downfall of uh, Matt Heimbach because, where I was going with this is, yes, those policies do exist, but the people pushing them are insane. So what happened with Matt Heimbach, he was supposed to be this uh, golden boy for the for the neo-Nazi movement. He and so, again, all this just ties back so perfectly to their their thing where we value the personally and think I'd like a uh people who commit adultery should be like stoned to death. I'm not sure stoned to death. We might have been firing squad, whatever. Um, so around like one thirty in the morning in this rural Indiana town, police get a call. Um, and it's Matt Hanbach's, uh, his, the traditionalist worker spokes, pardon me, let me back up the spokesperson for the traditionalist worker party. He's calling police from a Walmart. And he's saying, uh, yeah, I've been assaulted. So what happened was Matt Heinbach is married to this spokesman's uh, daughter, the spokesman's stepdaughter. I'm sorry, if I'm, I'm going to backtrack. I, I, on this. I, I actually want to want to give everyone an addendum here. She, Kelly here is is confusing this stuff because 
not because she's confusing it, but because the relationships these people have are actually unbelievable. And the fact that, I don't want to spoil it, but it is a confusing story. It is a confusing story. (laughs) I tried to draw a family tree to like work this one out in in writing. They are like, like, like he is like related to this person in this way. And that person's then related to that person in this way. But then they're also related to each other. It's extremely confusing. So let's try walking through it. (laughs) Let's try. Okay. Straightforward as I can give it to you. Matt Heimbach, head of the traditionalist worker party. He is married to the stepdaughter of Matthew Parrott. Matthew Parrott is the spokesman for the traditionalist worker party. Matt Parrott is married to, I think her name is Jessica. Um, it's, you know, I think I left the women's names out in the story, regardless. He's married. Um, so here we have two upstanding uh, nuclear families. <laughs> Would you guess it? Matt Heimbach is secretly sleeping with Matt Parrott's wife. And Matt Parrott, of course, being the stepfather of Matt Heimbach's wife. So um, Matt Heimbach, his wife calls him out. and he's like, She's like, hey, I know you've been sleeping with Jessica. Like, you know, what the hell? This is you know, this is hypocritical. Matt's like, Oh no, 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 you, you don't understand. We ended it. You know, it's, it's over. It's been over for three months. I'm so sorry. And she's like, okay. Um, and I guess at some point she confer she conferred with Matt Parrott and they're like, yeah, they're, they're still sleeping together, aren't they? So they arranged, they set up their spouses to meet in a trailer alone at night to see if they'd fuck. And this turned into, of course, the the two of them hooking up in a trailer and Matt Parrott getting on a box outside the trailer to just like press his face in and watch. Um, and then the box broke under his weight. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so I, mean. I, I only wish he was also like holding up a boom box outside. <laughs> just like, I, when I was writing this, I just had like the Benny Hill, like the, uh, right. what is it? Uh, just like circus music. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> um, so that happened. He's like, ah, shit, now I gotta go around to the front. So he goes around to the front, confronts him. He and Matt Heimbach get into a brawl. Matt, like, allegedly, you know, punches him, chokes him out, you know, flees. I think they got into a fight in another house, too. Matt goes home, um, and... I don't remember the exact order, but he's accused of grabbing his wife by the face and like dragging her uh, like away from a door or something when police came. So, and yeah, and then, uh, and then Matt Heimbach's wife and Matt Parrott fled to a Walmart that called police and police were like, oh yes, we see that you've both been physically (laughs) assaulted by this man. Um, And the kicker to this was um, Matt Heimbach was on parole, I believe, for assaulting a black woman at a Trump rally. So he's in jail now. And right. he is, uh, it's not looking great for him. And that is the, I'm sure I missed some weird element of it, but that is the Heimbach saga. Right. And the most important thing to know, actually, is that this literal, like, comedy, like, a, 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 like this, like, like I want to say Judd Apatow film, but you know what? Judd Apatow wouldn't write something this, this funny. <laughs> Like, I, like genuinely, like I feel, I feel bad for like the women and like you know those young kids there. Like, right, that's, of course, that's messed up. But like, 
like it's too on the nose. Like right. if I've been like, hey, watch out for this thing that's happened week. Someone would be like, absolutely not. Like you're you're making that up. And like it's, I couldn't, if I wrote it with, you know, without the police warrant, people would say it was fiction. Right, right. And to make sure that people understand this whole series of events is why this white supremacist group fell apart. It's gone. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. Like maybe if you took them, I think they've Oh, sorry. You're, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit again. Don't worry. Just go. But it's it's not your mic. Actually, it's the Skype call. Sometimes gotcha. the connection just breaks up because Skype is good, but it's not perfect. That's right. It's what you get for a free service. Right. Um, I think there are a few people who might still call themselves parts of the traditionalist worker party, but they have um, they've made a few rebranding efforts, and you know most of these guys don't go away. Um, most of them end up somewhere else. Um. Matt Parrott, I talked to him, he's like, I'm out of the movement. But, I mean, racists are, you, sometimes they come back, right? There's, right? They're not irredeemable. There's not all hope is lost. But usually they're going to wash up somewhere else and they're going to join another movement. Right. So, you know, and important to note also that Matt Perry might no longer be in a movement, but he certainly didn't all of a sudden not become a white supremacist. That like, is right. right. He's <laughs> <lone wolf>. Right. <laughs> My wife cheating on me has made me all of a sudden like people of every race. <laughs> and got like owned into being a good person. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure that's happened before, but probably not in a case yeah. like this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's uh, probably a little, uh, little different reaction here. Right. So let's, let's, uh, Move on. Actually, I want to do one. Let's finish up on Gab before we get to J20, because I really want to just uh, talk about uh, before we move on uh, the fallout that the Gab uh, founder and the the Gab workers, the people who work there have uh, received because suddenly they don't like that uh, their users who were mean to uh, and more than just mean harassing to uh, black people, Hispanic people, uh, Asian people, women of all colors uh, on other websites, uh, they suddenly don't like that those same people are now being mean and harassing to them on their own website. Right. So um, they've started calling the cops um, when people <laughs> when people send them either vaguely or explicitly threatening messages. And like, and this is all because they're trying to, to clean it up at least how it looks from the outside so they could get some sort of tech incubator seed money or whatever it is. I, yeah, I can't say that conclusively. I, if I did theorize, I'd say that's probably it. But yeah, starting a few weeks ago, um, their uh, chief operating officer just started being like, I'm, I'm calling the police when someone said like, you know, you better watch your back. And like, listen, I'm of two minds on this. Like, on one hand, like you're within your rights. You should feel free. On the, if you feel threatened, like, I guess, take what you think is a reasonable measure. On the other, I'm like, are you online? Like, who doesn't get death threats? Like, not to downplay it, but like, you're on the Nazi site. Like, I don't know. It's, it comes with the package, right? Um, so they have started, um, I guess for a while, they, they said they have been compliant with law enforcement. They indicated that they complied with some kind of investigations, which indicates to me that maybe they've been subpoenaed in some way. I know Facebook and Twitter get subpoenaed by law enforcement. I would love to know 
in what cases they have been subpoenaed um, and what records were requested. But um, so they have had a policy of complying with law enforcement. But in this case, he's like he's on at least two occasions. He said he's calling police on people who have uh, been mean to him online. So I'm, I'm not going to downplay it. Like getting a death threat's awful. Like, but they're calling the cops and their users. Right. And I mean, these are the like, this is what this is what's really funny to me. It's like, you know, they made this free speech site, uh, free speech site, quote unquote, and they invite all these people who got specifically to invite and to become an outlet for people who got banned from, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, because they were too uh, extreme and, and racist and sexist and, and Islamophobic and whatever. And these people come to this site and they don't think for a second like, Hmm. If I if I you know care about free speech so much, uh, why why are only people from a certain like why are the, only these people coming here? Like everybody likes to speak. Everyone likes their free speech rights. Everyone has an opinion. But hmm, sh- maybe I should look. Maybe the problem is me, or like maybe the problem is my site and who it's appealing to. Like they didn't like it never hit them. Like if I ran a website for everybody and all of a sudden. Only far right wingers came to it. I would wonder what the hell did I do? Like, what am I doing to appeal to these people? Like, clearly the site is not doing what it set out to do. If which I honestly don't think that I think that's just the cover. I think they knew what they were doing, obviously. Oh yeah. But yeah, but like they're they're like they're they're presenting it as this. It's like it's it's funny to me. It's just really funny to me. And the fact they're calling the cops on their own users now is hilarious. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with all these people, you know, it's, it's free speech until it happens to you, right? <laughs> right. And I can't wait for uh, maybe there will be a case that gets followed up. And I can't wait to see their shock when they see that it's not. Uh, I believe uh, in your article, they specifically named Cher Blue and David Brock as the uh, the the people who are Radical creating the Antifa, fake. David Brock. <laughs> right, right. Which is hilarious to me because like David Brock and, and Cher Blue, which during the 2016 primaries was known as Blue Nation Review and uh, Correct the Record was an uh, offset of that organization. Like they actually did have these like these like. Uh, made up accounts specifically just to push like pro Hillary stuff to uh, right. to go after the Bernie people, like the Bernie supporters, to try to convince them to you know or or to go or convince people not to vote for Bernie Sanders or whatever. And like they clearly like after 2016, that all ended for them. Share Blue, the Blue Nation Review changed their name to Share Blue to sort of shed that image, and they're basically just you know you're you're even like even more democratic friendly think progress or something like that uh d capital d democratic party friendly think progress or something like that it's all like pro-democrat stories there's no more like real as far as i know i, I uh you know a- attempt to uh, uh have these bot accounts uh officially i d- i did actually have uh, someone on a couple uh show episodes ago uh who unveiled like a a, a bot network connected to promoting all these share blue writers and everything but there is no like official like like share blue like network as far as i know to create nazis on gab like why would they even care about that like <laughs> there's it's a complete waste of money like there are nazis on gab you don't need fake ones like you said <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I checked with Jared Blue and they're like, we literally don't know what that is. Um, And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what a 
stupid project. You know, you want Nazis, I can give you 50 of them off the top of my head. Right, right. So Gab uh, and the founder of Gab and everyone involved in Gab, I wish you luck uh, dealing with the uh, hell that you have brought on yourself. <laughs> uh, I give Gab, maybe, maybe they'll make it to 2020. As like a real like underground, no one really like like the users who already built up their their fan base there and are sort of stuck there because it'd be too much work to try to build up their network on some other website. Uh, maybe they'll stick around, but that's the furthest I see Gab going from here. I don't think maybe maybe Peter Thiel will have a a a, a moment where he's like, I want to help these guys out. But other than that, dream team. <laughs> right, right. Other than that, uh, Gab. Take care. Good luck. Now let's talk about uh, <laughs> really. We don't have uh, much. I don't want to hold you for too long because honestly, J twenty in and of itself can be its own episode. But go ahead. Yeah. You. Yeah. Wrote- so oof. So um, it could be. Yeah. It could be several episodes. I've been covering this for about a year now. Basically, the rundown is on uh, January twentieth, twenty seventeen, Trump's election. There were so many protests outside. Inauguration day, right, yeah. Right. Um, and there was a specific group um, that was involved in, it was a large group, you know, hundreds of people. And some people within there, um, like, broke some Starbucks windows and stuff like that. Um, you know, kind of like a black block function. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm very cautious summarizing how many people that was because it's, it's really hard to say, but you've seen the pictures of, you know, uh, protesters kind of squaring off against police. And that's, that's kind of the target of the, uh, J 20 prosecutions. Basically what happened was near, uh, maybe mid afternoon, uh, during Trump's, uh, inauguration, 200 plus people, um, marching. And this is when the police like really started getting in there with the, um, with the stun grenades, with the tear gas, um, and just sort of corralling people. And that is, the tactic is called kettling. What it is is they corral people into an area and then they just sort of snap it shut and they arrest everyone within. That's really controversial because it means mass arrests based on your proximity to something. So I spoke with a photojournalist who was arrested and he's like, you have to understand how easy it was to get arrested. He's like, I got tear gas in my eyes. I was like stumbling along. And he's like, I heard it, you know, click shut, basically. Uh, And then, you know, he was arrested, detained overnight. I'm not sure if he was charged. He was not prosecuted. Basically, what happened was the people who were prosecuted, the state made this case saying, well, okay, there was, you know, there was some property damage, you know, a a total of maybe $100,000 in broken windows and vehicles, stuff like that. But what the real, uh, the real case here is it was a conspiracy to riot. And that is a serious felony. Um, and that stacks up against, like, alongside the misdemeanors that they'd accrued, that's decades in prison if they were convicted on all counts. So this conspiracy to riot was what they're really pushing. And to call it a conspiracy, they pointed to ludicrously flimsy evidence saying, uh, well, they're all wearing black. And, like, this person was, you know, in a crowd that was chanting anti-capitalist slogans. I'm like, have you ever been to, like, a May Day thing? Like, a- any any protest really that's like yeah that's of course yeah i, I wear I, I i i look like an antifa official antifa protester literally every day yeah <laughs> yeah i just like what what did they want like people like chanting like i don't like this like it's 
um, that's what a protest is, and right. they know that. I'm, uh, actually, they... I'm actually now thinking in my head, you know that Antifa chant, like, ah, anti, anti-tifa, like, I'm thinking that, but, like, with the addendum before it, I am not. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, I just, like, just, uh... I don't know, like maybe wear rainbow or something, the opposite of black. I don't know. But yeah, so it's really, it turned into, and it continues to be for the people who are still being prosecuted, really scary because they have this massive conspiracy charge and has been weird. Don't worry, Skype just cut out again. Just do your thing and go back a little bit, right? Okay, uh, rewinding. But basically, so prosecutors are pushing this conspiracy um, and the evidence for the conspiracy has been really strange from the start. One of the central pieces of conspiracy uh, evidence is this video from Project Veritas, which is uh, James O'Keefe's video outlet. They're the ones who tried to make the uh, to get the Washington Post to report on a fake Roy Moore accuser. They've done all kinds of stuff like that. That's their mo. My favorite uh, James O'Keefe Project Veritas moment is probably, there's a ton, but this one to me is particularly funny, is when he dressed up with mask and all as Osama bin Laden (laughs) and crossed the border, uh, the Mexican-American border, and he complained that he didn't get shot. (laughs) Like his his whole thing was, look how easy it was for me. Well, first of all, like uh, to me, like, and in the photos, actually, that came out after, there were actually, like, border people, like, like not far away, who were, like, looking on, like, you can tell they're, like, what is this shit? <laughs> like, 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 wow, there's someone with a camera crew, like, pulling a sting video. Right. And it's, like, first of all, like, if I actually, if I was a Border Patrol person, and uh, also a personal than them, screw them, too, fuck them. But uh, if I was a Border Patrol person, and I was looking through, like, binoculars, whatever they use, and saw Osama bin Laden crossing the border, uh... After he was already dead, I would yeah, probably... Your, your yeah, your thought should have been it was the, the authentic... Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my first thought would probably be after, holy shit, is it the ghost of Osama bin Laden? It would probably be, oh, this is just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, someone conspicuously crossing in uh, racist drag, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so James O'Keefe made this, um, or his Project Veritas filmed some people who are like talking about like, oh, we're going to, you know infiltrate this uh the deplorable and which was this alt-right party um and yeah just kind of talking about their plans and project veritas gave this to prosecutors so already like that's that's a dubious premise because project veritas has been accused of like editing videos or the uh you don't really know the premise going in it's like okay if you say that's what it was um but project veritas gave its videos to the prosecution and There is something called the Brady Rule, which means if the prosecution has something that could potentially exonerate the defendants, they have to tell them that. They can't just hide it. What the prosecution did instead is Project Veritas gave them 70 recordings. The prosecution pretended it only had one. It hid 69 of them nice. And it... (laughs) I I hate that I have to joke about that. It's like a terminal illness. Thank you for Um, that. And... Because so if they, you didn't do it, I would have to have. So. Of course, or get horrible emails. Uh, anyway, so with the one remaining video they had, they cut out a bit where the Project Veritas guy says something that undercuts like the other 
uh, argument that the prosecution is using to argue a conspiracy. So the prosecution went into court saying, oh, this is the only one, this is the authentic article, lying about, I can't do math, but you know, what's one, you know, it's one seventieth of the evidence they actually had, right. and even that was tainted. Um, and the defense, to their great credit, caught it last week, and they're like, hey, what the hell? Like, you told us, you get, you know, this is, I mean, it's straight up illegal. They lied about this. And a judge, of course, was not impressed. And he tossed a whole bunch of cases just being like, yeah, you guys, like, you lied to me. Judges don't like when you do that. And they take it very personally. Um, and someone, I think the best take I've seen on this is someone who's actually a defendant. I don't think her case has been tossed. It's still upcoming. She said, this is what happens when they try an all or nothing approach because there was very little to actually convict these protesters on. So the prosecution threw it all into this strategy of we're going to prove a conspiracy through these videos. And when you actually look at the real evidence, it doesn't hold up. And a lot of the cases are being tossed now. Right. Do you know how many cases are, are left that haven't been tossed? Like ones that will actually be taken to trial and, you know, just in general, I guess, how much longer this is going to go on for these poor protesters f- who've been like, geez, for what a year and a half now yeah. having to deal yeah, with this. Yeah. So this is where my numbers are a little um, a little hazy. I think a lot of people are looking for clarification. Going into last week, I believe there were 59 people um, who are still charged out of what was initially about 200 people. They're being tried in groups. Um, when the first, the edits to the video ha- were uh, revealed, that resulted in the um, dismissal of charges against six people. There's currently ongoing another trial against four people, and it's not clear how these rulings are going to affect them. There's an additional, um, the verbiage is really unclear, and I'm like waiting for like, better guidance from a judge or someone who, you know, is a legal expert, because I'm not. But it sounds like the conspiracy case against the remaining 50 some people um, might be tossed. And if that's tossed, then it's just some misdemeanor charges against them. And yeah, the from what we've seen, the prosecution is totally willing to pursue these as far as they can go. There's worry that they might refile them, try the case. But if that central conspiracy charge gets dropped against everyone going forward, I mean, that's massive. And that really guts the case against, I think it's like 52 people, maybe 51 who are still awaiting trial. Right, right. And, you know, there, there was a case I saw where, where one of the people who were involved in this, what, wasn't he, who, who were being charged or they weren't even there. Like yeah. they, they had tweeted about J20 or, or made some like sort of sort of like graphic to post on his Twitter account or something like that. But the point is that he he was not even at the protest. He just supported it online. And he's been charged along with the protesters who actually were there. Yeah, so he is one of the people, one of the six people who had his case totally dismissed um, this week. But, I mean, his is like, it's, it's just insane and you like to think that it can't happen here but it can he wasn't at the protest he was he did a podcast in fact his name isn't even on the podcast you know i have to say he allegedly did a podcast um in the in the weeks before kind of talking about okay there's going to be this demonstration um 
And I think he might have done like some kind of graphic design for it, but he was not at the event. He wasn't arrested in that mass arrest. What police did is they, you know, ascertained his alleged involvement in this thing and they went to his house and they arrested him, you know, pulled him out. They took his like they took his like nation magazines as like proof that like, you know, got a crazy lefty over here. And yeah, I mean, he could have been facing decades in prison on the basis of an edited Project Veritas video detailing involvement in a protest he didn't go to. It was that crazy. What so, was, um, you know, I'm surprised that if Project Veritas didn't uh, take their their dark money budget and uh, try to CGI him into the, one of their videos or something. <laughs> but can we just like really like, like just how insane it is that like a prosecution would think it was okay. I mean, shouldn't be surprising, I guess, that they would think it was okay, but they think it would be convincing or it wouldn't become an issue that Project Veritas would be an okay source to use for the, for like their, their pieces of their, their evidence was Project Veritas videos. Just unbelievable to me. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable, except in the context of this case, everything, I mean, I could go on at length about little parts we haven't even touched about. Like so much of this is suspect. So much of the evidence is based on the testimony of one police officer who was found to have liked kind of racist posts. You know, he's part of um, some a police officer testified the other day. And after he got out of court, he changed into a shirt that said police brutality or doing what their parents should have done at home. Like it's the underlying ethos of this is not of, well, let's find the evidence that best represents it. It's been, you know, blatantly politically motivated. Um, And this is what happens when they try and see what they can get away with. And it looks like they might not get away with it. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm I'm very happy they're not going to get away with it. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's so crazy to me that, you know, uh, that uh, James O'Keefe is going to, I mean, I mean, I guess this episode really is the self-ownage episode because between Gab and James O'Keefe doing this, you know, it's James O'Keefe is going to be uh, as insane as it is that they use James O'Keefe to try to uh, prosecute these guys uh, and girls, uh, these protesters. Uh, they are going to all pretty much uh, get off because James O'Keefe's involvement. I can't believe it. Like that's that. You know what? Thank you, James O'Keefe, for your public service. Like that was that is <laughs> solid work. Um, I mean, I, fingers are still crossed. We don't know the final outcome of this, but we just this week six cases dismissed, and that's major. And that's thanks to James. <laughs> yeah, thank you, James. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Kelly Weil. She's a reporter at The Daily Beast. Kelly, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Like I mentioned before the uh, the show started, when we were just talking, I've been meaning to have you on for a while for a number of different articles I've seen you write, and they're all great. And uh, I hope to have you on again in the near future. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you again. All right. I'm going to... Let's go to the, uh, I'll go to the comments, read a few comments, and hold on one second, folks. I'm going to pull up this so I can see all your comments. I have them in a window on the side, but when I, uh, when the guest goes off, I like to make them bigger so I can, here we go. Let's see all your comments here. 
Uh, oh, it seemed like there were some feed issues. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, not too much, though. It seems like just at the very end of the show. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, oh, a lot of uh, comments today. Uh, cool, great. Uh, first, before we get any further, let me tell you how you can support this show. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Uh, you can support this show for only $5 a month. Helps the show happen, period, first of all. Uh, helped kick off this live stream uh, version of the show because I was just recording them audio only for a while. Uh, keeps the live stream one going too so I could read all your comments and you guys can interact with the show. Um, also, uh, because, uh, you know, slowly but surely more people are becoming patrons on Patreon. So I want to give more and more as we reach towards that goal of an additional, a completely new Just for Mem uh, Patrons show. Uh, we're, we're still pretty, you know, we're not too close, but we're not too far. But uh, before that, uh, I have uh, Jameson over here in the uh, chat has uh, hooked me up with Jacob. Uh, and we are going to get, I believe, a Discord going specifically for Doomed. And uh, on there, I will be... Uh, literally, like there won't be a Q&A with me like how Michael Brooks and other people do it. I will literally be on there all the time. Like I, you can, we can talk whenever. Just like when, you know, on Twitter, it's kind of hard because uh, when I tweet something and it gets a lot of comments, most of the time I don't even, I can't even see them because it's, it's too much. I can't, uh, I, I got to do work elsewhere and make money and do jobs. <laughs> but uh, on Discord, being that it'll just be you guys, we will be talking all the time. So once that's set up, I will let you guys know what it is, and you guys could hop on there. And uh, it will be a 24-7 Q&A. I don't even like the term Q&A because it makes me – it puts me up on a pedestal. We'll just be talking like normal – like like buddies. Uh, then uh, also, some housekeeping here. I'm sounding like Sam Cedar now. Holy shit. Uh, I want to thank Blaine who – you guys, he's been a, a, f apparently following me since the Majority Report days. He, uh, if you look over here, there is now a pop filter on my microphone. And that's because Blaine sent me an email a couple of weeks ago. He actually probably would have sent me this the next day because I literally uh, got back to him a couple of weeks later, uh, screwed up my Amazon list so he could send it to me, and then finally fixed it yesterday. And it literally arrived this morning. So I probably could have had this a few more episodes earlier if I had been on top of it. But thank you, Blaine, for sending me this pop filter. Uh, I think you guys have been uh, hearing it today. I hope it sounds better. Have you, have you guys heard me pop at all? Eh? Have I been popping? Hope not. Otherwise, Blaine, I'll have to take back my thank you. No, but really, thank you. Uh... You can also support this show by subscribing on iTunes. Uh, and, you know, we're really close on iTunes, actually, to uh, 100 reviews, which to me is crazy because the show is not even a half a year old yet. This is the 20th episode, actually. I should have mentioned it up top. I'll do that for 25 because that seems like the bigger number. But this is the 20th episode of Doomed. Um, and, you know, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, Rachel in the comments mentions how I'm humble, unlike Michael Jamal Brooks. Very true. And then Jameson said, this guy gets it, which I believe he was talking about me when I said, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people. I'm, I'm one of you. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm powered by the people. That's how I'll, I'll, I'll say it as I stutter to find the exact phrasing I want to use. Um, also, you can support this show just by telling your friends about it. Uh, you can tell them to go to doomed.tv and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Or you can tell them to go to www.doomedpod.com and that gets them to the podcast. Uh, I'm hoping very soon, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using the Patreon, uh, what, no, the Patreon money that you guys have all given to go right back into the show. I'm hoping to have a full-blown website for the show up, you know, so I'm not using, right now I'm just using like my podcast provider's you know, web template, you know, basically just list the shows as they go up. It's nice, but I would like to have, a, you know, a real website for the show. And uh, I'm planning on doing some cool things to try to expand the show's listener base. Maybe like a, a giveaway or a contest or something like that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, I'll talk more about that as I uh, get these things settled and, and nailed down so they're actually happening. Uh, let's see some comments here on the YouTube channel. Uh, everyone's just having so much fun here, but just on, on the YouTube uh, comments. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I have to say it like, too, you know, it's really funny when I was on uh Michael Brooks show, he thought that was me in the opening going doomed, but it's not, it's from Futurama. Uh, actually, one of the one of the great things about naming this show Doomed is that I literally have a plethora of movie quotes to grab from, and I, I should do that and have like a soundboard uh, of very uh, well known cinematic uh, movie moments where they use the word Doomed in very great ways. Uh. Theo would like to, uh, you know, he's going to apparently tell people about this show by saying, do you have a few minutes to talk about our Lord and Savior, Matt Binder? Uh, all right, folks. Uh, let me talk about what we have planned for upcoming shows, actually. Um, I have a few guests in the works. I don't want to name any names until they're, they're completely uh, booked. But uh, I have some ideas for shows, uh, some people, uh, candidates running in primaries, leftist challengers to the Democratic establishment. I've been speaking and reaching out to some people and have a few more on my list I want to reach out to. Um, I have a few more uh, great shows in the works uh, with the, the seems to be the uh, main theme of Doomed, right-wing conspiracies and right-wing uh, and alt-right groups. Uh, covering the latest stuff going on with those groups. Um, I'd like to have, uh, you know, I'd like to have someone on to specifically talk about that story we spoke about during the uh, show uh, about Amy Mech, that Islamophobic Twitter, influential Twitter user. Uh, we'll see what we can do there. I know, I know the guy who wrote that great piece is receiving tons of shit right now. And I, I know he's trying to just, you know, keep his family and, and himself out of the the sights of these guys right now. Um, Maxillaria points out, could always throw in some Invader Zim doomed. 
That's true. Yes, that's very true. Um, oh, Jameson brings up. I saw this. I I saw him comment about this earlier in the show, but it was I, I was right in the middle of a conversation with the guest and didn't want to interrupt. Um, have I heard about the Gab version, like how Gab is to Twitter, what this website is to YouTube, the Gab version of YouTube, PewTube? I have. Maybe I should have someone talk about that. Also, I I, I I've been familiar with. Have you guys seen this website, Steemit? I've mentioned them on the show before. Actually, I mentioned them in that article I wrote for The Outline um, talking about that uh, that Twitter bot network I uncovered that Julian Assange and various other people were, were going on about thinking it was like some purposeful, like ideal, ideological, excuse me, ideological uh, Twitter bot network. Um Steemit is this like seems to be like this website where you write articles and based on how many views they get, they have like an AdSense share type thing where like you know you can you know that they share the uh, the the uh, money they make from people who view the, the your article, but they do it in their like again here it comes their own cryptocurrency like like a monetary system called called Steam, and um, so this website Steemit seems to be overrun with these right-wing conspiracy theorists. And I would love to do uh, a show about that, and I could probably bring in PewTube and all these other sort of... They also actually... Steemit also has a, a YouTube version connected to them, like their own YouTube connected to them too. Uh, so that would be a, a fun show. That's something I'll put on the list here. Also, you guys, feel free to... to in the, On the Patreon comments... Uh, if you're a subscriber, or if you're not a subscriber too, but if you're a subscriber, I will definitely 100% put whoever you recommend on my list of people to comment, and I will 100% reach out to everyone my Patreon subscribers uh, tell me to reach out to. Whether I can get them on the show or not, that's another story, but uh, if you're a patron, I will reach out to them 100%. If you're not a patron, you could become one, but if you're not and can't afford to become one, or for whatever reason don't want to become one, Still send over guest suggestions, and if it's a guest I think is a good idea for the show, I'll reach out to them as well. Um, what does GAB actually stand for, asks Rachel. I don't think it stands for, like, I don't think it's an acronym. I think it's like, you know, GAB, like people GAB, like the gift of GAB. It's like, just like, you know, one of those terms of, you know, people talk to each other. It's like a, probably wasn't always a dictionary word. Probably was something that was started as slang and then became a dictionary word as it became used regularly in society. Um, Peter Benson, did I see the Proud Boy stalking Vic? Vic is on my list of people to reach out to to get on this show. I've actually been in touch with Vic uh, over certain things uh, over the years, actually. Um, so yeah, I will definitely be reaching out to Vic to get on this show. Um, David Pakman encouraged Sam to go there. I'm guessing he's talking about YouTube, right, Jameson? Um, I actually am not against um, uh, putting yourself on these networks if you're not a right winger. I wouldn't like you know run a live stream there or something, but I'm not against like if you were already making a YouTube video for YouTube or. Uh, making a podcast for whatever, your podcast stream. Um, I'm not against just taking that shit and uploading it there just to try to push down the uh, whatever 
hopefully maybe you could push down some of the horrible shit and maybe some like I said I also bring on the bring up on this show it seems to be a theme of a lot of episodes a lot of the people who go to these sites and stuff are you know young white men who are easily swayed in either direction and maybe they'll stumble upon a Sam Cedar video and maybe on at least one point they'll be like hey this this guy Sam is right here uh, I wouldn't make any content specifically for those networks because that'd be really supporting them and pushing people there specifically. But to just upload something there to already reach the audience that they already have so that maybe they'll come find you and get off that site, I'm not against that. Um, what time is it? Oof. All right, uh, one or two more comments here and then I will be heading out and... Uh, Hopefully, I'll have a bunch of things uh, to to give to to reach out to you guys and you know involving this the Discord or whatever uh, during the week. But of course, I will be uh, again. Saturday seems to be the day I've been doing this. Saturday isn't the like official date. If I get a guest that can't do Saturday, I will still have the show on the day they're available, and I'll let you guys all know in advance via the Patreon and my Twitter account at Matt Binder. Um, also, I have a Facebook page. I would like to start posting more there, but um, just search on Facebook. I don't have a URL for it right now because my personal page is the facebook.com slash Matt one. You could follow that one, my personal one. I don't really post much there either, but <laughs> I'm not a big Facebook user. But So I have the Facebook personal page, facebook.com slash Matt And if you search, there's the Facebook page you could like. That's Matt Binder. And I'll, I'll, I'll post more there for for everybody than I do on my personal one. Uh, James with a guest suggestion, Jordan Peterson. Uh, yeah, I'm not against having right wingers on this show either. Uh, I know a lot of people don't want to. Obviously, there's certain like I'm not going to have uh, a straight up Nazi or white supremacist on this show. Uh, like uh, if you remember when I had, it's really funny actually. I haven't spoken about this. I'll t- speak about it another time. Uh, but uh, leave you guys hanging with a little something to look forward to. Uh, that former talking point, turning point, excuse me, turning point USA, uh, girl who started the diaper, uh, protest at the Kent State campus has been in the news a lot recently. Um, if you recall at the end of that episode, if you haven't listened to it, I would implore you to go back and listen to it. I had her on the show because I knew she was a conservative. I knew she was a right winger, but she had a falling out with, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA and she hated them and in an article went all out to throw them under the bus and she still is pretty she's I still think she's harmless and unknown and what she's doing right now to get herself noticed is a joke and I thought the uh, positives in having her on in going after Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA a person and a group who actually do have influence very much outweighed the negatives of not having her on and not having someone on the inside throw that organization under the bus. Um, and then we had a debate after. Um, but it's interesting to see her. I told her at the, end, at the end of the episode not to fall for any more right-wing grifts. And it's interesting to see her uh, not fall for any more right-wing grifts, but to start her own. That's fun. Uh... Let's see. Yep, Rachel, the girl with the gun, the AK-47. What was it? Not AK. I think she had the AR. Was the AK she had? I don't know what gun she had, but she, the girl who took a picture on Kent State with her gun, right? 
Yes, that's that's her. All right, guys. I will talk to you all uh, next show. Uh, that's patreon.com slash Bender. Subscribe on iTunes. www.doomedpod.com doomed.tv to subscribe to YouTube. See you guys all next time. Come on, come on.